2: I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere. And I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramerica. Other people make friends. I'm just trying to make you some money. My job is not just to entertain, but to educate, teach, and figure out how days like today happen. Call me at one 800 743 cbc or tweet me at Jim Kramer. Who's safe? Who isn't? Who needs help? Who's in trouble? Who needs a miracle? That's what it comes down to in the age of COVID-19. That's what's driving stocks, including today, where the Dow rebounded 1,167 points, the S&P surged 4.94%, and the Nasdaq pole at 4.95% incredible moves based on the hope that federal government stimulus could offset the sudden slowdown that we're getting in the economy and also beat the demand shock that is caused by the coronavirus. So how do you pick among the rubble now that we're bouncing, at least for the moment, even if you think that the stimulus may be too little, too late, which is certainly the judgment I heard all day. it's always the judgment that you hear, particularly among the people a little skeptical of the president. First, you have to recognize that for all intents and purposes, the market, it's, it's not working. Or, oh, you can say it isn't working well. How about that? These violent swings, what are they a sign of? They are a sign of sickness. Buy, it's unhealthy. They tell us people are scared. And there are far too few players. Too many investors. Too many guys with machine guns. First stocks to be able to handle the impact of that fear. And it doesn't help that you have hundreds of ETFs pulling and pushing on individual stocks like the tail wagging the dog. (laughs) The market just can't handle all this algorithmic activity, all the so-called machines. It just can't handle it. It's overrun. It doesn't know what to do. It's broken. The good news. Well, you can use these wild swings that are caused by the crazy machines that are going wild to take advantage of opportunities by identifying high-quality companies, okay, don't think of them as stocks, companies, and then buying their stocks gradually into weakness at your prices instead of having to chase stocks, which has been the MO of this market for the first years of President Trump's reign, save for the bear market that Fed Chairman Powell caused at the end of 2018. Now, if you, by the way, I am suggesting, and I think you should, look, I know, that you know, index fund, yeah, yeah, buy, buy, buy. But if you, by the way, I'm suggesting, say you put on a small position when the market's up 1,100 points, well, you won't feel like a moron when it plunges back to negative territory, which is what happened today, right? I mean, it opens up 900, then it went to negative, and then it came all the way back. See, if you just go out there and buy all at once, you're liable to get the wrong price, which would make. thats why you need to, until we are on firmer footing on terra firma, you have to buy the way I'm describing. In a broken world like this one, you have to be ready to own more and more of a stock on the way down. You have to like it more. Remember, good stocks get cheaper as they go lower, not more expensive and not more dangerous. If you can't see that, if you're going to panic the next time we get hit... You might want to use the moment of strength that we have right now to sell. I don't know if you should own stocks. Maybe just own an index fund and just do what Warren Buffett would say. This is a market where you need rock-solid conviction to buy anything so that when your favorite stocks inevitably go down, and they will, you can view it as an opportunity, not a catastrophe. When the Dow briefly went negative today before bouncing right back, that, that was your moment to buy stocks hand over fist. But you only want to buy the good ones. That way you won't be shaken out. And if you sold rather than bought that dip, Well, you may not be tall enough to handle this new, more demanding uh, of conviction market. Maybe you should just go home. All right, so how can you separate the wheat from the chaff in something that's violent and volatile? Well, you have to understand the nature of this downturn. I keep telling you this is a public health crisis. It is not a financial crisis. We're not worried about the banking system. we not worried about your ATM. Yesterday, though, it also turned out that there was an oil crisis. That was really kind of a big part of the big decline with the collapse of crude prices because of, well, we're the world's largest oil producer. and thanks that's thanks to the fracking revolution. And Russia doesn't like it. They wanted to knock out our producers. Just get them out of the game. Of course, that hurts everybody. So in retaliation, Saudi Arabia figured they'd do the same thing to Russia as Russia's trying to do to us. At these prices, many U.S. oil companies will go under. But if prices bounce back, well, then they may be uh, be able to eke out some uh, profit. But that is a mighty big if, though. How can oil bounce back big beyond today when both Russia and Saudi Arabia are trying to flood the world with oil? We just don't have enough demand. I don't care about the 10 percent bounce today. To me, it's not, not sustainable. Uh, that's something we'll go, go over when we do a special off the chart segment about oil and gas later in the show. I know everyone say, oh, this market, stock market, dead cat bounce. You want a dead cat bounce? I think it's oil given the fact that the sorties are going to pump more than 12 million barrels a day and we can't handle that. For now, let's do some elimination from the get go to see what's worth focusing our money on and what isn't worth wasting your time on. A lot of times I feel like if we weed out What's not going to work, it makes the picture clearer. In a public health crisis, needless to say, you should be worried about your health. The best way to avoid this virus is to stay home. That's why all the colleges are closing, so many businesses are closing. They want you to stay home. No, and I'm not going to tell you to buy Netflix. I'm not just, What? that's not a bad idea. All right. The worst way to handle a crisis like this is to travel, to go out, to be on an airplane. To go visit, to go to a game. As I see it, that means vast swaths of this market are simply untouchable. Think entertainment, hotels, restaurants, retail, airlines, and of course the cruise lines. We're a service-based economy, so this is really negative for us. Until COVID-19 is solved, and I believe the COVID will be beaten, one way or another, these groups are toxic to your financial health. On the other hand, the virus seems to have peaked already in China, Japan, and South Korea. These are all countries that took aggressive measures to contain the outbreak. On the other hand, the disease is going nuts in Italy and Iran. So which are we? So far, we don't know yet. But I'm not feeling super optimistic at this moment. One of the reasons why we don't know is that we simply don't have enough test kits already. I cannot believe this. It's a far cry from South Korea where their hospitals set up drive-through testing that helped them get a handle on the situation. That's a brilliant idea. But here in America, we have no surety that comes from having these tests available to all. And that's a huge problem. If you believe that there are tests available, I can tell you that in New York, unless if you have a 100 degree temperature have a cough, you're not sick enough to get one. If you don't turn if we don't turn things around, the economic fall from this pandemic could be a lot worse than it needs to be. And I am not sugarcoating this at all. Speaking of the fallout, though, the president's actively discussing ways to tie these troubled industries over low to no interest loans for small businesses, government subsidized paid sick leave for workers so that they can afford to stay home, uh, pushing back the deadline for filing your taxes with no penalty or or interest charges, maybe even a payroll tax cut to the end of the year. That's fine if you have a job. All these things can help. There are also signs that President Trump isn't just hoping for the best, like I criticized him for uh, on Monday. He's planning for the worst, at least on the economic side of things. That's encouraging. I like these. Hate them or like them. You should like this. Again, though, this is a public health crisis with knock-on effects that hurt the rest of the economy. Most of these plans are only at, they only address the knock-on effects. This stimulus is not a reason to go buy the stocks that are in the blast. So like a carnival or American Airlines or Garden, parent of Olive Garden, even as much as they bounce, say and you're salivating don't go there. You never want to own these stocks going into a slowdown, let alone a possible recession. Then there's the oil patch. Today, Oxy, <laughs> Oxy Petroleum, what did I tell you? I had to cut that dividend, no surprise, after they foolishly borrowed billions to acquire Anadarko at the top of the market last year. Stock rallied 14.6% today, mostly because the price of crude rebounded to 34. I say big deal. If you think crude's going to stay down here in the 30s, which make a lot of sense because of the lack of demand from COVID and the plethora of supply from Russia and Saudi Arabia, you've got to avoid the whole complex. I might Plus, I don't like them just from ESG purposes. But you know that. I've been more negative than anybody. Now, the bank stocks sold off hard yesterday because Wall Street worried that the pain of the oil patch will spread to the financial sector in addition to that yield curve that is so bad for their bottom line. Now, there's probably too much negativity, which is why the whole group rebounded dramatically today. But their earnings are still at risk. I think you can pick at the banks for a trade the next time they revisit yesterday's lows. And I've got a couple later in the show if you watch. Not wild about them. So now that we've taken all these sectors off the table, we can now discuss what we got left. What doesn't have much earnings risk and is attractive after sell off? First, as I keep telling you, you can buy the drug stocks. You can buy whenever their yields go north of 3%. That happens pretty much every single swoon. You can put a bid down there and get hit. Given that Wall Street's worried about a recession and interest rates are ultra low, Big Pharma just makes sense. Hey, why, why don't you look at this abV please? They just had a good analyst meeting. They're closing their deal with Allergan. It's got a once-in-a-lifetime pill for migraine. You know I know this market. Same goes for the yields with uh, the yields of the utilities. I like these. 3% or higher. American Electric Power, you know, we have them all the one, one time. We have Kine at all the time. We have Dominion. I like them. Southern don't have them on, but it's okay, 4%. Then there are the toughest ones, the tech stocks, where you're betting that they'll be able to keep growing no matter what. And that's why we call them secular growth plays. And there you have to think of cloud companies, Adobe, Salesforce, Mark Benioff, Microsoft, ServiceNow, I, I, I remember, ServiceNow is run by Bill McDermott. That's a step up. I like Alphabet. I like Amazon. I think that Amazon numbers may be too low. I think Facebook's numbers could be light, but the stock's been hit hard enough that maybe it's okay. I know when you cut numbers, stocks go down, but that one's intriguing. These kinds of high-growth names do tend to outperform intercession because they're riding powerful long-term teams that keep working even a weaker economy. I've got a med tech company later in the show. If you stick with us, we'll tell you exactly what I'm talking about. That's why I always eye the fastest-growing tech stocks in the slowdown. They bounce back quickly and often become leaders for the next leg up. Now, w- we'll get that leg when we cure, notice I said not if, when we cure or contain COVID-19, even if their earnings could be a tad shy. Stocks are certainly down. I'm convinced that we can beat this thing if the government pulls out all the stops with a Manhattan Project level of investment for billions of dollars. Get the great minds together. If you share my ultimate optimism, these are the stocks to buy. I know that seems like a small list, but here's the bottom line. Until today, I've been adamant the only thing you can buy with four high-yielding pharma, and a handful of utilities. That's it. No others. Now we're further along, and you've got my blessing to buy the tech stocks with powerful secular growth stories. We're stuck in a deflationary cul-de-sac here, and that's when tech totally shines, as does pharma and the utilities, while most other stocks struggle or ultimately fail. Jose in Texas, Jose. I want to take a look at U.S. Steel, ticker
0: symbol X. This stock plummeted to historical low, now trading in the six dollar range. Last year, this is a twenty dollar stock.
2: Another company is facing layoffs, tariff increases, and now the only of the coronavirus. With all that being said, I personally think this stock is a steal. No pun intended, Jim. What are your thoughts? No, I mean, we buy quality in this market. We don't trade down; we trade up. Nucor is the company that has the earnings. Nucor is the company that has the yield. Nucor is the company to own if you like steel. I'm not a big steel fan right here, but that's the one to buy. Let's go to Phil. Oh, Phil in New Jersey. Phil. Hey, Jim. Love the show. Thank you, Phil.
3: What would your advice be to the vast silent majority of your audience that are not individual stock pickers, but rather are index fund investors that have consistently and diligently been contributing to their company's 401k through dollar cost averaging into large cap stock index funds, small cap stock index funds, And international stock index funds over the course of 20 to 30 plus years, particularly the people close to retirement or even in retirement.
2: Well, OK, you just changed the whole dynamic there. I mean, what I was going to say is, is that uh, you just stay the course. But if you're close to retirement or, in, or I, you're about to retire, I don't think you should have all that much in index funds. I think you got to cut it back a little because we don't know what's going to happen with the market. It's a little uncertain for you, But I, did, especially if we're going to recession. But I'm still in favor of a, of a very large position for uh, of index funds. That's what I like. And you left out gold entirely. And I think gold has to be 10 percent of your portfolio because we are in uncertain times and gold will be a good place to be. In this kind of uncertainty. I get it. The market isn't working well. Kind of feels like it's broken. But there are still some sectors that you can work with. One additional sector, the sector of growth, more than we had yesterday. I believe tech could shine. Oh, man, but, and MedTech, by the way. Really. On oh, Mad Money tonight, forget earnings. I'll tell you what, why it's all about the balance sheet in times of crisis. Then after the worst day for the Dow since 2008, followed by today's bounce, is it time to do some buying here of some special stocks in the Dow Jones Industrial Average? I'm going to make some sense of things. And I'm my names that work despite the volatility, don't miss my sit-down with the kind of stock I'm talking about that's tech secular growth. It's Dexcom. to see if that stock makes sense for you here. So stay with Kramer.
0: visibility at indeed.com slash madmoney. Just go to indeed.com slash madmoney right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash madmoney. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
2: The balance sheet. The balance sheet in times of crisis. I always start with the balance sheet. Normally, when we talk about a company and how it's doing, we focus on the sales or the earnings per share, right? The price earnings multiple. Is the stock cheap versus its cohort versus the overall market? But in times like this, tough times, the balance sheet suddenly gets a lot more focus. How much debt does a company have? How can, it, can it pay it all back? Uh, plus, uh, does it have enough cash on hand? These are now the questions that we have to ask. Right now, there are three industries that are particularly stressed by the COVID-19 pandemic. The airlines, the cruise lines, and the oil producers. Each has huge fixed costs. Many have way too much debt. Some have no real rainy day funds. Take Norwegian cruise line holdings. That's an amazing company run by the brilliant Frank Del Rio. It's got beautiful ships, sterling reputation. I love the ships. But Norwegians also got six point eight billion dollars in total debt, including seven hundred fifty-four million in current debt. Yesterday took down a revolving loan from JP Morgan for six hundred and seventy five million dollars which, when combined with the, another untapped revolver of $875 million, will give the company about $1.5 billion in additional borrowing capacity. Hey, it's going to need it. We know Norwegians have a good cash flow in the past. They can come back. Unfortunately, Dr. Tony Fauci, the leading global expert on infectious diseases, reminds us that there's some risk here. The government's chief spoke in the fight against COVID-19 told everyone this Sunday that if you're elderly or you have a pre-existing health, health condition, maybe you shouldn't take a cruise. And well, he gave the green light to younger people, uh, but retirees are the bread and butter of this industry. So you got to wonder, how can Norwegian pay off that debt? How can it even make payroll if the government's telling vast swaths of the population to stay away from the cruises? Maybe by having a quick cure for COVID-19, maybe that's the only solution. Look, the situation stinks for this group. These companies employ tens of thousands of people. They're great businesses most of the time. But they happen to be a public health nightmare during a pandemic. Cruise ships are the biggest source of the virus for both our country and Japan. If you're like me, you're actually boiling mad that this happened. At the end of the day, though, the cruise lines don't need to be bailed out. If we whip this virus soon, unlikely, but then the problem goes away. If we don't, the companies will reconfigure. Somebody else buys their ships for a fraction of what they're worth. And it goes on again. Some industries are indispensable. Not this one. How about the airlines? They've been decked many, many times before, especially after 9-11. And they always come back, although a lot of that's because they tend to get bailed out. But the coronavirus, well, now in a stay-at-home economy where business travel of all kinds just isn't going anywhere. Their video conferencing with Zoom down badly today. I'm kind of getting interested in that one. Meanwhile, people going on vacation are doing everything they can to avoid the airlines. Who wants the risk of getting sneezed on road trip time? Even airports give us the heebie-jeebies, don't they? So while the airlines have much better balance sheets than they used to, they could still run out of money pretty easily if the outbreak lasts too long. I am, though, confident that the government will throw them a lifeline if necessary, that's what always happens. Maybe they'll get uh, low interest loans. I don't know. Uh, Maybe they get no interest loans because a healthy airline industry is indispensable for this country. Last but not least, there's the oil patch. We want our oil and gas industry to thrive so they can employ people, produce it, you know, keep it so we have national security. Sadly, most of these producers are way too levered. Many will have to reorganize because Russia and Saudi Arabia have gotten to a vicious price where it's going to hurt us. The Russians were eager to drive prices down to put our producers out of business. We're producing 13 million barrels. That's an obstacle to them. So the Saudis turned around and did the same thing to Russia. This whole strategy is the height of stupidity. They could bankrupt every U.S. producer and still wouldn't make a difference. That oil's in the ground. It's not going anywhere. And when prices recover, somebody's going to drill it again. Again, no bailouts needed here. While our oil infrastructure is indispensable, the oil companies themselves are not... Still one more reason why I think you need to avoid their stocks like the plague. Again, I don't want to be too much of an alarmist. If we get a vaccine, if we get a cure for the virus, then everything bounces back. All is forgiven. And that's why I want the government to put itself on more footing to stop this outbreak. Without that, though, the cruise lines, airlines, and oils, well, let's just say their balance sheets are going to crush them. I hope they catch a break. Unfortunately, they all need it. Stick The
1: spirit of performance defines Acura. And now,
0: Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express business Gold card. It's packed with benefits to help unlock more value from your business purchases. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Learn more at Americanexpress.com/business card.
2: I've right, been getting closer. If yesterday's Savage beat down today's bounce, I think you need to start thinking about doing some buying here. So in order to make sense of this moment, we're in the process of analyzing all 30 stocks in the Dow Jones Industrial Average. Yesterday, we covered the first 10 in the quarter and found them pretty much wanting except for uh, Apple. And some Coca-Cola. They both made sense. And I think they still do. That said, it makes sense to be a little more upbeat today because the president and Congress seem eager to get the economy unstuck. Last time we were in the of recession, December of 2018, it was easy. The Federal Reserve took action. The economy bounced right back. It's not so easy this time. Actually, it's much tougher because uh, that was a Fed mandated slowdown. So it was undo- you could just undo it. This is a public health crisis. I'm calling it a biological slowdown. And the economy won't actually be able to rebound until the outbreak is contained or runs its course. But once we come out the other side, we'll need a lot of stimulus, which is why it's encouraging to hear that we might get some. That in mind, let's review the next 10 stocks. Think about that prism, okay, in the Dow. And it's slightly more positive lens because when we came in on Monday morning, we kind of felt that maybe the president thought we didn't need anything. So number 11, remember we did 10 yesterday, number 11 is Goldman Sachs. This stock has become incredibly controversial as hedge fund managers assess whether or or not Goldman's culture has changed. I think that whole discussion kind of misses the point. When the stock's selling at less than seven times next year's earnings. Now, this isn't an automaker, for heaven's sake. Our steel company's investment bag. Let me put it this way. Goldman's very scrubbed tangible book value is two hundred five dollars per share. That's what you get if you liquidate the whole enterprise tomorrow. Yet the stock's at a huge discount when it's at one hundred and eighty four with an incredibly low multiple. Plus, don't forget, Goldman has a benefit from volatility; it's the mainstay of their trading business. And they've got the new Apple car, uh, credit card, which is apparently doing quite well from my sources. Now we sold some Goldman Sachs mutual trust at much higher levels, and now I'm itching to buy it back because, well. I think with the 2.7% yield and that incredibly low multiple, it's time, all right? Stock really got really overreacted. And will they really do the trading as well as they used to when I was there in the 80s? No, but I still think they can do well. 12th is Home Depot. It just put an amazing quarter. Sure, the consumer's taken a hit in the last few days, but we're about to head into spring gardening season. And that's like Christmas for Home Depot. Plus, interest rates are so low that it makes a ton of sense to get a home equity loan and refurbish. Oh, on top of that, the big box stores should all benefit from the fact that many of their independent competitors will indeed go under thanks to COVID 19. I think you can start picking at the despot here, but you have to leave room because the stock's went at 225 and at the nadir of the Powell bear market in 2018, it traded at 158 I say buy some here, and then leave room to buy for more lower levels. If it opens up, no. Thirteenth is Intel. Now, I wish I could recommend this one here, but it's inexpensive. But let's think about what you'd be buying. Intel's a competitor to AMD, and that has a lot less control over its own destiny than it used to be because of AMD. I like the balance sheet. I like the 2.5% yield. I just prefer its competitors, like AMD and, of course, NVIDIA which are both doing very well here. NVIDIA's got a lot more going for it than than Intel. I say you can wait for Intel to come down more. I'm not as intrigued. Again, NVIDIA, then AMD, and then Intel. And by the way, AMD on Thursday had a great analyst meeting. No one's even thinking about it because of what's happened. Fourteenth is IBM. Wow, now this kind of stock has now collapsed to the point where it yields 5.2%. A lot better than Treasuries. And I think the balance sheet's not as bad as it was uh, when they first bought Red Hat. I think it deserves more respect. IBM has a new CEO, Arvind Krishna. He's a cloud devotee, and the effervescent Jim Whitehurst, late of Red Hat, serving as president. The company's got a ton of recurring revenue that nobody's thinking about. My view, IBM's worth putting away as everyone's given up on the darn thing. Even though the last quarter wasn't even that bad. I think you should buy some for that juicy yield the prospect of an upside surprise versus lowered expectations. IBM's a buy. 15th Johnson & Johnson is the premier pipeline, the best balance sheet of any pharmaceutical company. It lacks the high yield of its competitors, clocking in at just 2.7 percent here, but it's got a faster growth and a more bountiful buyback. Plus, the dollar's no longer soaring. This company thrives in a weak dollar environment. All right, there's some legal risk, but at these levels, I think we don't need to be as concerned. Buy some, buy some down. 16th JP Morgan. Now, I could not believe... I could not believe that this stock plunged fourteen points yesterday? I mean that was crazy. It finished with a nearly four percent yield sure CEO Jamie Diamond is laid up with a heart procedure and we don 't know what's going to happen there and he is really good and sure they have some oil debt they banks all do but i 'm telling you that it's manageable oil debt this is not a banking crisis it's a bio-crisis. So uh, if J.P. Morgan held 100% of the debt from the frackers in the Permian Basin, I wouldn't care with that fortress balance sheet. No wonder it rebounded somewhat today. I think you can still pick some up here because the yield's at uh, 3.6%. Strap yourself in because the banks are hated. Some people will refuse to recognize that J.P. Morgan is a fee-based revenue stream. If it's up, no buying. If it's down, start buying. Seventh is McDonald's. Now, here's a tough one. You have a new CEO, Chris a Good guy. He seems to be doing an excellent job. You have a great balance sheet. You have a good dividend. You have five two 2.5 percent. Yet I am rec- really reluctant to recommend the Golden Arches because I can't see why it would rally on its own, especially with the pandemic about to lay waste to the restaurant industry. Uh, there's just nothing to fall back on here, which is unacceptable in a stock that sells for 22 times next year's earnings. Uh, but don't forget that Wendy's uh, coming in against him for breakfast. If it was an 18 times earnings, it would be a different conversation. 18th is Merck. Now, after a prolonged period of outperformance, it looks like Merck's stock has run out of gas. The last quarter, we saw some holes in their amazing anti-cancer franchise, Keytruda, which could be the largest drug ever. Plus, Wall Street was unimpressed when Merck talked about wanting to spin off the lower growth parts of their business. It was confusing. Now, Merck thought there would be a re-rating of the stock up, and they got one. It was just a re-rating lower. I think the market's judgment's too severe. I like Merck's pipeline. Not great. Not as bad, you know, it's certainly not as good as J&J, but you have my blessing to buy it if you need, if you need a drug stock and you don't like my J&J call because of litigation risk. 19, Microsoft. Now, a year ago, this thing was trading at 110. Now it's in the 160s. It was up nicely today, even if it's down substantially from its highs a month ago, which maybe makes it so it's valuable here. How can, well, it's uh, more attractive. How can we justify this move? Simple. Microsoft is firing on all cylinders, especially their cloud business Azure, which management never tires of telling us about. And that's OK. They're pretty good. And by the way, I love their carbon footprint going negative. Now, I am impressed with Microsoft here. They've gotten very good about knowing what their customer really wants. I, I know trades at 26 times earnings, not exactly mouthwatering, but this may be the premier growth stock in tech right now. You have my blessing to buy some here and again, some lower because it was up so big today. Finally, there's Nike which is just about as expensive as Microsoft at 26 times next year's earnings. And that's with the stock already down 17 bucks from its highs. Unfortunately, Nike, I think, has real earnings risk as we head into a global recession uh, that may be averted but may not be. Europe, China, the United States, nowhere is safe for Nike. Usually one of these markets might be funky, but rarely all all of them at once. Yet that's where we are right now. I have no idea how Nike stock even hung in there $100 for a couple, for, for really, for much longer than I thought possible. I'm sure many growth managers are salivating over this when they can't. They're like, they're rabid about owning Nike, not me. I just worry that Nike's too loved and the estimates are too high. Bottom line, I still think we're headed for a corona recession. But with the possibility of government action down the road and the stocks coming down a great deal, I want to be a little more constructive. And the middle 10 stocks in the Dow contain a bunch of opportunities, especially if we get some profit take tomorrow, which has been the case with this broken market. This then this then this then this. Again, if you're going to buy something here I don't want it to be if the market opens up big tomorrow. That will be a sucker rally. I want you to buy gradually on the way down because we do not know where another shoe may drop. And with COVID, it seems like there are multiple shoes out there. Riley in Georgia. Riley. Booyah,
1: Mr. Kramer. Thank you for taking my call. Booyah. Uh, Well, I've been listening to you for a while. I know you've suggested 10% of gold in your portfolio. Mm -hmm. With these these crazy times ran, would you consider selling some uh, of my stocks like Bank of America Facebook, Disney, or Apple to raise more
2: cash to put more than 10% in my Barrick gold. Look, I like t- at least 10% gold. I think uh, gold is absolutely terrific, and the way to do it is Rand, because Dr. Mark Bristow has put together an amazing company, Barrick, and uh, and Rand. Uh, the numbers are incredible. The dividend's good. The balance sheet's good. He's paying down debt. He's increased the dividend, and he knows how to deal with even the toughest situations. Just remember, he drilled, drilled a lot got a lot of gold out of Africa, right in the middle of the Ebola crisis. Sure, we may be headed towards a recession, and I'm not denying that. And it's because of the coronavirus, and we don't have anything for it yet. But with government action, at least we can be more constructive than we were 24 hours ago. Yes, it does matter. Now, you got some uh, real good opportunities here, but please, gradually, and not if it opens up, I'm expecting profit-taking, much more mad money ahead, including my exclusive with Dexcon. How is a company positioning itself against the market's unknowns? And remember, that is the least economic sensitivity. And it's about diabetes, which, of course, coronavirus seems to attack. Don't make a move. Then what's next for oil and gas if yesterday's dramatic drop? i got to go to the source. We're going to go to Carly Garner herself in the flesh, in the studio, because she's been dead right about oil. And oil your a robin' fire in tonight's edition of The Lightning Round. So stay with Kramer. This tumultuous market keep searching for stocks that have been holding up surprisingly well. Stocks that should be immunized against the coronavirus or a corona-induced recession. Which brings me to Dexcom. It's a company that's been a game-changer in the diabetes space thanks to their continuous glucose monitoring, CGM, a device that keeps track of your blood sugar without the need to constantly draw blood with one of those finger stick tests. Dexcom's been a fabulous long-term winner with the stock giving you a 370% plus gain over the past five years. And uh, while it's 9% from its highs thanks to the market-wide breakdown, it's still immune 20% since we last spoke to them in mid-January. And we told you, bye! Because people misunderstood what they were saying. Like I've told you repeatedly, the medical device space is one of the rare industries where you can wait out the pandemic. And Dexcom is uniquely well-positioned because they just reported a fantastic quarter last month. But don't take it from me. Let's check in with Kevin Sayer, President, Executive, Chairman, and CEO of Dexcom. Get a better sense of how his company's doing and where it's headed. Mr. Sayer, welcome back to Mad Money. Good to see you again, you know, Jim. Yeah, we'll do this stuff. Yeah, you we'll know? do it. All, there, right. all right. Okay. First of all, Uh, when you're on last, there were people who actually thought that somehow, uh, you had disappointed, which was completely untrue. And since then, things have just seemed to have gotten better.
3: They have. It's been a great run for us. And, uh... Things continue to go very well at the company.
2: One of the things that's really impressive, there's a Morgan Stanley piece that I love. It. It's called Transcending the Top Line into Bottom. And what it's about, I want to try to do a teaching moment here is your gross margins are going up. There were some people who felt that there were other companies nipping at your heels. If that's the case, your gross margins would be going down, not up. You're making more, more money per device, uh, uh, certainly doing incredibly well with what you have.
3: We are. We've known for a long time that pricing would come down as we went across right. the broader market. So we've designed our manufacturing procedures and our products to whereby they become less expensive to build as we get more volume. And we're seeing the results of that on the cost side. And we've held pretty firm with prices because the features of our product are much different than our competitors. We offer a lot more. And so far, those who pay for the product have been willing to pay more.
2: All right, well, you've brought a product.
3: I did. I you brought toys today. You do not.
2: So you got something new. I, I want I to know about it.
3: This has not been launched yet. This is... Uh, Derivative of our G6 system, it's called G6 Professional or G6 Pro. This is, we put a transmitter and a sensor in the same box. Okay. It'll be sold to a healthcare professional, and as you walk in, we can put it on patients for diagnostic purposes. One of the things we're very excited about, is this is not labeled just for people with diabetes. No? It's labeled for all people. Wait a second, why? For health and wellness or somebody who might be in a pre-diabetic stage. Let's see what happening is happening here. A patient can wear it in a blinded mode where they don't see any of the data, and the doctor can look at it and check on things like, are you taking your meds? Are you going with a routine? Or they can wear it in a mode where they fall on, see what's going on, and can learn about themselves. It's the first time we've had the opportunity to give a patient an experience where they can try it before they actually have to buy the well, product.
2: I mean, I'll mean, i tell you, in an era where we keep hearing over and over again from Dr. Fauci and others that uh, diabetes risk is one of the things that makes it so that uh, COVID-19, uh, unfortunately, is, is more devastating. Why wouldn't people go check this out?
3: Well, we, we hope they all do. Uh, and. And it'll be launching here in the next couple of months, so you get a preview before it's even out on the market. Now,
2: will my physician, typical physicians know about this, or you have to refer? Will they refer you to someone?
3: Uh, they'll be able to write a prescription, and they'll be able to purchase it from us if they would like to put it on somebody. Absolutely. But it's a trial.
2: You can just get it, and if you like it, I mean, it's kind of
3: you, you get through your physician. Uh, but that's where we're selling it to begin with. Ultimately, this is the beginning of what we believe is going to be the revolution in diabetes data, where. People will use these devices not only for insulin delivery, but to measure the effectiveness of their type 2 treatments. And someday down to health and wellness, to whereby you can see how your diet is actually working, if it is or if it isn't. You
2: have a lot of fans. And, and one of them, uh, whose son has uh, diabetes, was saying to me, okay, look, why can't, because people trust you so much, why do you have to have uh, a company like Tandem, which we had on air, very nice people, or Insulet, who uh, make the... Uh, The tandem pump interacts with you. They want you to make it. They think that you are a reliable brand. Not the other. They didn't knock the other guys, but just saying, hey, a closed loop system would be such a joy. Can you give it to customers?
3: We have chosen to focus on the glucose management piece of the system. We also have an algorithm uh, with a company we bought in Virginia, Type Zero, which is the algorithm that drives the tandem pump. We have viewed the glucose measurement market as a much bigger opportunity for us to okay. go across all of healthcare, type 2 diabetes. That's the opportunity we're pursuing. We have great partners in insulin tandem uh, now and others coming in the future that we help. Our growth has been so rapid, and and we've had to work so hard to control it, Jim.
2: Well, it's it's a high-quality problem. We've grown
3: this as as fast as we can, and we'll keep growing it this way.
2: When you speak to managers, do they say, look, uh, I'm looking for something that has no corona issue, that's not the Fed, it's no economic sensitivity? Because you may be the least economically sensitive of any company I follow.
3: (laughs) <laughs> I we are actually economically sensitive uh, to patients insurance needs and okay. and how co fall in and, and, and stuff like that but no people are always going to have diabetes and people who re- rely on this technology can't give it up that's why we take this corona stuff very seriously and we're putting all the typical procedures in place other companies are as far as meetings and travel and everything right. we can't go down uh, people depend on us.
2: No, they do, and I know you had that one outage, but you fixed it very quickly. And I think what really matters for people is, if you think you have diabetes, oh my, this this illness, Corona, is unfortunately after you. Yeah, it could be horrible. Absolutely. That's Kevin Sayer, President, Executive Chairman, CEO of Dexcom. Like I told you last time, when there were some people who actually thought that something was wrong at Dexcom, and we pounded the table. This remains one of the great stories, particularly even in this time where we might have a Corona. Virus recession. May I mice back it It is time. It's over the light round. Go on. And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready, Ski? it's over the light round. start with Caroline, in your Caroline
1: hi jim i'm a new
0: investor my early 20s i'm originally from philadelphia go birds but i live in new york city i've noticed the decline of passengers on the subway since the virus hit and because of this i was hoping to add uber to my portfolio
2: right well we understand that uber's got good and bad the good is is that absolutely maybe it's an alternative to subway the bad is a lot of places don't have a subway and there's a lot less travel people working at home so i think uber it's a push i like the stock longer term but shorter term I don't think you can make the numbers. Let's go to Janelle in Pennsylvania. Janelle. Hi, Jim. Thanks for
0: taking my call. Of course. Y-T-F. Is it a buy now? No, I mean, you oh.
2: enough risk already. I mean, look, I mean, I'd rather I, I have your own Chevron, to be honest, because there I'm not worried about the balance sheet whatsoever. Let's go to Frank in New Jersey. Frank. Hey, Jim. How are you, buddy? Hey, man, Frank, he's a struggling days, but I'm doing my best. How well, about okay. you? Long day for you, long day. They are long days. They start at three. Ah, eh, whatever. Let's I go. I know that. E.T., babe, how do you like it? No, 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 no. That whole pipeline sell, group sell, is sell, just sell, so sell, sell, under sell, pressure. Sell, when sell, they 15 year maybe it bounces, maybe it's done. Tyler messages Tyler. Booyah, Kramer. Booyah. I'm 25 years old, so I'm thinking uh, strictly long term here. What are your thoughts on Norton Life I like the company that Rick Hill put together. He did that, he did Symantec. I think it's a winner, and it's down a lot. Remember, that is the special dividend that made the chart look so bad. I need to go to John in Florida. John! Booyah! Well, there you go. I needed to hear that most definitely. What's going on?
1: Hey man, my stock's down 40%, even though I got FDA approval. I'm talking about immune therapeutics AIMT. What? Well,
2: you know, it's speculative. And people crushed all the speculative stocks, but it's still speculative, and I don't mind if you want to own it, that's okay with me. And that, ladies and gentlemen, of the lightning round.
4: The lightning round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade.
2: we got a special treat tonight to find out what's next for oil and gas after yesterday's horrifying crash. A few weeks ago, the price of crude was at 53 bucks. Now it's at $34, and that's after 10% bounce today. Whenever the action gets this emotional, you need to do everything you can to take emotion out of the equation. That's why tonight we thought, why not... Bring in Carly Garner, special guest. You've heard about her a lot of times from our show. She's a resident commodities expert, uh, co-founder of the Carly Trading, and the author of High Probability Commodity Trading. Get a technical read on the situation. Carly, welcome back to Make Money.
5: Thank you. It's a pleasure.
2: All right, Carly, let's go to work. I'm giving you the floor.
5: All right, sounds good. So. Upfront, full disclosure, I just want, you know, I've, I've been a broker since 2004. I've been in the commodity business for a long time. I've seen, I thought I'd seen it all almost. I learned on Sunday night when the futures markets opened and crude oil just collapsed that I had not seen anything yet. So this is uh, this is a, a rough time for the brokerage industry. It's hard to manage risk. So hopefully we can take some of the, like Jim said, some of the emotion out of it, look at the logical aspects of the markets and the charts. So let's start with, we're gonna start with, uh, this is what West Texas Intermediate Crude Oil. We're looking at historical patterns. What does crude normally do this time of year? Actually, it tends to bottom this time of year. We haven't seen that yet. Seasonals are tricky. They're, it's a rule of thumb, it's not perfect. Sometimes they're early, sometimes they're late. I'm hoping this year it's a little late. Okay. I haven't given up on it yet though. Next, we're gonna take a look at natural gas. The natural gas chart is similar. It tends to bottom right around in March, so natural gas is actually on time. Today we had a nice little bounce. Hopefully that continues. We'll talk about a few reasons as why I think it might continue, but so far natural gas is on schedule. I just wish it wouldn't have gotten so cheap before it started. Next chart, please. So we talk about the COT report a lot, and Jim, you talk about it a lot right. when you when you do our work on your show. The COT report is basically, uh, it's issued by the CFTC, the Commodity Futures Trading Commission, and it tells us a couple of things. It tells us where speculators are positioned and where hedgers are positioned, how long they are, how short they are. What we look for in crude oil, to be honest, crude oil specs have been net long for years and years. They rarely go short. Honestly, I think, if you remember 2007, 2008, crude oil was trading around 150 and everyone was calling for 200. I'm kind of convinced a bunch of people bought at the highs, and they've just been hanging on and rolling over. Well, So then, what you're
2: saying to me is basically there was those people bought, and maybe they capitulated. Maybe that's what blew I think, them out.
5: Well, I think a lot of that is part of it. Yeah, it just kind of the buying dries up, and then it and then it turns around. But that
2: would be very bullish if these people got blown out.
5: Well, I'm talking about in 2007 when Okay, but prices, I'm saying
2: that might have happened here.
5: I think right? the opposite happened here. What? Absolutely, yes. Okay. Yeah, so. 2007 prices around 150. Everybody wants to be long, and right. they have been ever since. Honestly, they've just kind of been rolling over. Now we're looking at a situation. In crude oil, we don't necessarily look at how um, whether they're long or short because they're, everyone's always right. long. We're looking at how much. So if you notice, this is last Friday's report. Okay. About 400,000 large specs were net long the market usually when this figure gets down to about 300 net longs is when the market bottoms out. You saw it here, you saw it here, and usually we get a pretty good rally out of it. Okay. Now this you'll notice we're looking at 400,000, but that was those figures were before this latest drop. Okay, so tell me, you
2: know, so I get this. What are we saying right here? So right here,
5: being in the brokerage industry and seeing what I saw, these people were selling because they had to. They were out of money, they had margin calls, they didn't know what else to do, but that's a capitulation that's, bottom. You typically want to buy a capitulation Thank you. Bottom. Yes, that's okay. That's what I'm thinking happened. Unfortunately, the problem with speculation, whether it's stocks or commodities, it happens, unfortunately, a lot. When you get that, when everybody runs out of money and, and where, you know they just can't take it anymore, that's usually when it turns around. Unfortunately, right. I think that's what's going to happen. Well, that's not so bad. Next chart, please. So natural gas, we have an opposite situation. In natural gas speculators have been net short for quite a while. They're hanging on to the largest net spec short position in the history of natural gas. I've actually been pointing this out for a couple of months. We haven't budged yet. In fact, but we've just been But if you're going to stop drilling,
2: weird. it's going to produce an opportunity for natural gas to spike because it's a byproduct.
5: Correct. Right. That. And honestly, when it comes to this sort of stuff, with these speculative markets, sometimes the fundamentals don't have to change at all. Okay. Okay. All the, Maybe all we need is just Everybody that's short decides it's time to get out. When they cover their position and unwind it, the market goes up. Sometimes it happens despite bearish fundamentals. You just never know. Next chart, please. I always look at the currency market when I'm looking at commodities, and the reason being that dollar and crude oil, or the dollar and commodities, are generally inversely correlated. The last couple of weeks, it's been the opposite. They've actually been highly correlated. We're seeing dollar and crude sell off in the same manner, and it's really just because everybody's selling everything. It's just one of those environments. Eventually, that'll have to change. This drop alone probably means crude oil should be in the 40s, not the 30s, just because of the, the currency differential. If the dollar continues to sell off, which I think it might, at least down to the 93 area, but I'm thinking we're looking down here, because if you think about it, the dollar's been benefiting from interest rate differentials right. with the Fed taking action last week and potentially soon mm. again, the dollar no longer has that interest rate differential. And so we okay. could easily see a further slide in the dollar, which would be very supportive for commodities, yes. regardless of. Well, so far you're a
2: very bullish picture, Carly.
5: I am I think I think that 's where we 're going you're fact,
2: saying it 's bottomed you 're so. saying it 's bottom, which in yes. that case there 's a lot of stocks that are really maybe not as dangerous as i 've been saying
5: well you 've been calling shoot, yeah, I've been i mean let 's not let 's not yeah, you 've been right they 've the been the they 've had a rough week now at these levels i think they're I think they 're probably a good attractive buy so this is a chart we 've actually pointed this chart out a few months ago on mad money. We've been pointing out support at 50, support at 42, and then 26. I did not expect this. I'm not right. going to. I mean, I, I didn't and see that. Was, that my, my
2: take was that this was going to be taken in.
5: I did not expect it to happen. It happened. Uh, I ex- certainly didn't expect it to happen the way that it did. Now that we're here, there's a pretty good chance that we've probably seen the lows. My guess is we might run some more stops under here. That would put us 22, 24. Right. But in the long term, I think we're probably heading right back up. So. All right.
2: All right. Well, I'm going to leave it at that, Carly. But what I'll tell you is, is that I think you made a compelling case with dollar and with gas, and this, that we may be near or at the bottom. My only reservation is it may not reflect in the stocks because the stocks have different that, balance sheets. That could be absolutely sure. That are not going to be helped by that. That is terrific, Carly. Thank you so much. That's Carly Garner, special guest, co-founder of The Carly Trading. Stick with Kramer. Good news. There are now some tech stocks, secular growers that I think can be worth buying on the way down. The bad news is, as long as this virus rages, so much of the market remains off limits and you're getting a bounce of which you might want to be able to liquidate those stocks that are unfortunately trapped by COVID-19. Enough to be able to start picking them. And remember, I do think that we're gonna have a lot of profit taking, and that's your opportunity. Like I said, there's always a bull market somewhere. And I've tried to find it just for you right here on there, buddy. I'm Jim Kramer. See you tomorrow. Our special markets in tomorrow starts right
1: now. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery.